Welcome to Claim the Stage, a podcast for women who want to discover, awaken, and create their voice through the art of public speaking. I'm your host, Angela Lucier, award-winning professional speaker, author, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. You're listening to the Guest Mentors five-part summer series. This is an opportunity for you to learn from women who are, first and foremost, professional speakers, but they're also authors, speaker coaches, and seasoned business owners. You'll learn about their mindset shifts, challenges, systems, advice for new speakers, pricing tips, and so much more. This series is full of inspiring personal stories, entertaining experiences on stage, and expert advice. Plus, all of these women are super cool. I want to hang out with everyone and make cookies and ride bikes. So you have that to look forward to. The Guest Mentors five-part summer series is sponsored by Speaking School for Women, my signature online course that teaches you how to become a paid professional speaker in six weeks or less. Learn branding, marketing, speech craft, pricing, pitching, and so much more. Now until August 31st, get 20% off using promo code SUMMER20 at checkout. Learn more at speakersisterhood.thinkific.com. Link is in the show notes. This series is also sponsored by Told Video, original, thoughtful storytelling for your brand. Here to help you with your next step in speaker marketing, a meaningful video. Let your story out into the world and get it told. Follow Told Video on Instagram at Told Video for flash sales and discounts announced monthly. On today's episode, you'll hear from guest mentor Amber Hurdle. Author and speaker, Amber Hurdle creates content-rich experiences to sharpen personal, employer, and business brands. A former teen mom turned powerhouse businesswoman, Amber learned to clearly articulate her own value, eventually enabling her to work with international celebrities and Fortune 100 companies alike. Her clients include large brands such as FedEx Ground, Mars Inc., and Marriott, as well as small businesses who want to play big. Recognized among the top 40 under 40 by the Nashville Business Journal, she's also a top certified advisor for the Fascination Advantage Personality Assessment and is certified in the change cycle. Amber serves on the boards of the Tennessee Coalition to End Domestic and Sexual Violence and her local National Speakers Association chapter, among other community interests. Known for her straight-shooting velvet machete and warm personality, Amber never fails to motivate professionals to up their game in business and in life. Without further ado, my interview with Amber Hurdle. Amber Hurdle, welcome to Claim the Stage. Thank you for having me very, very much. I'm so excited to have you on the show because as I was learning more about you and researching you, I thought you have such a unique background, at least in my mind, for a professional speaker and someone who is out there, you know, just really meeting meeting people, building things, connecting with big companies, doing great work. And I'm excited to share your story and hear some of your advice. So before we jump into all of that. Can you just tell us your background and how you got into speaking? Well, let's get in the way back machine. I got my <laughs> first blue ribbon for speaking at the, like the state speech meet. I think in the sixth grade, <laughs> I recited the road less traveled 
by Robert Frost, Two Roads Diverge, Neil Wood. And I just really liked it. And where a lot of people get, you know, nervous in front of people, I don't. You could put me in front of a million people or two people and it's all the same to me. It feels like a conversation. So I continued throughout school and even in college, I was leader of the opposition on the debate team, on the college debate team. So I, I took a a class and the teacher said, if you'll join the debate team, you never have to come to class again. I was like, done. <laughs> so I picked up some things there learning the leader of the opposition is actually somebody who shows up and has no idea where the other team is going to take an argument. So it could be like the Pied Piper went down the road merrily with the children behind him. And then that team could interpret what does the Pied Piper stand for? What does children stand for? What does Rhodes stand for? And then they can create an argument. And as the leader of the opposition, I would just have to show up and be like, no, that's not right. And here's why. And so you really had to think on your feet. So throughout my career, I did speaking, either representing the company that I worked for in the community or just, just talking to rotaries or, or things like that in community relations roles. And so it was just a natural thing when I started this particular business that it would be a part of what I did. And then it, you know, obviously got out of control like everything that I enjoy doing and pursue. <laughs> <laughs> And you wrote that you're a former teen mom turned powerhouse businesswoman. Yes. And I remember when I was a teenager feeling like, oh my God, if I got pregnant right now, my life would be over. And mm -hmm. I just had all this fear around it all the time because I just kept thinking like, how would I ever bounce back? And how would I ever build a business? And I'm 38 now having my pregnant with my first child and I'm still oh, having all of those fears. Congratulations. <laughs> You. And so I want to hear about that time in your life too, about how you were a teen mom and how you were able to become a powerhouse businesswoman. Cause that's like so impressive to me. And it just makes my inner scared teenager go, Oh, that was possible. Yeah, it was rough. I like, let's not sugarcoat it. It was pretty bad, but I was Long story short, I was featured on the local channel four news station, the regional station every day, Monday through Friday at six and 10 with about a dozen other students for being like the good kids that can talk about difficult topics. And then, you know, after being highlighted like that and news cameras following me around school because I was involved in this and involved in that. And they were trying to like really paint this picture of what a great kid I was. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, I found out I was knocked up. Oh my! So, you know, it, that's one of the stories that I tell when I do speaking engagements because a couple things, I want to eliminate excuses because I know people tend to carry their past with them and it prohibits them or limits them from what they're capable of. And the thing that really got me, other than the fact that I'm just generally kind of a scrappy person anyways, when I was, you know, stirrups full Monty, you know, God and country as a teenager <laughs> in the hospital <laughs> trying to push this baby out, that was talk about ooh, train wreck. I just had the thought in that moment with all the intensity that this baby was going to have every opportunity that any other child that was not born to a teen mom would have by the time she graduated high school. And I 
and I hung on to that and that drove me. And so it also put me on a timetable. And I mean, I was laughing last night for some of the things that I get done in my business. I looked at my husband, he just kind of was like, oh my gosh, Amber, you're cramming so much in. And I'm like, you know, I love a deadline. <laughs> so I had a deadline. It, it wasn't even 18. It was when she graduated high school and I had to get my poop in a group and it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. I failed so much. And so you kind of get used to failing and then you realize like you're not going to die. Like the, the world's not coming to an end. You just have to, you know, shake off and get the dust off you and maybe put a little Neosporin on your knees and ice on, on your eye and just keep going. And so the difference between me figuring out how to position myself in the world to be successful and make a life for my daughter and somebody else who maybe hasn't been through something like that is I just, I couldn't care less. Like, I just couldn't care less. Like, I'm going to do what I've got to do. And if you don't like it, get out of my way. You don't have to be a part of this. And I think that when people don't go through difficult times, there was so much fear of failure where it was just, you know, like, you know, here's my sandwich. I'm going to eat it today. Now I'm going to fail. Move on. <laughs> I love that sentence. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like having that goal in mind to be able to set up your daughter was what made all those failures seem like just, you know, like kind of stumbling on the sidewalk, like you just keep walking. It's not even like something you focus on. So I think that's great advice. It it wasn't about me. It was about her. And I was all that she had. So am I going to let down this innocent little baby that turned tyrant junior hire, turned amazing, beautiful now woman that is, you know, someone I just respect and look up to myself. It was for her. And so I couldn't, I couldn't throw a pity party too long because then it made it about me and then I would fail her. Mm. So your, your goals were in service to her. Yeah. I love that. So I want to talk about the steps you took to go from being an unknown speaker to a paid speaker with a platform. I know initially it can take mindset shifts in order to see yourself as someone who could actually get paid to go and talk to people. Did you have that process or maybe it's still happening where you had to have some mindset shifts in order to take that leap? I'm a very practical person. And so for me, again, because speaking has just always been integrated into what I do, like I didn't consider myself a professional speaker. I considered myself a business owner and speaking was one of the things that I did. I did a lot of training. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I went to school to become an ICF certified coach and I decided I was going to be an executive coach in corporate America because that's, that's really where I thrive is the complexity of the various layers and all the different moving parts and departments and shared goals and individual goals and all that kind of stuff. And so then I was asked to do training programs. And so I started going into companies and doing training programs. And then somebody asked me, could you do a keynote? And I'm like, like stand on a stage and memorize something for an hour? Like really? And I liked it. And so I started doing it more and more. And and again, it was just a piece of what I did. The year that I wrote my book, I backed way off of it because there's no way in God's green earth I could get both those things done and really focus on that. And then at the end of that year, my husband and I always go away for the weekend around New Year's Eve. We don't do the parties or anything. We just go away and we work on our vision boards and we solidify our business goals and our personal goals. And then we come back ready for the new year. And I just simply decided I'm going to 
return to keynote speaking, only this time I'm really going to make it front and center of my business model. I put it on my vision board, which then forces me every day to look at it and put focused time and resources on positioning myself as a professional speaker, not as somebody who does all these things and speaking is one of them and started prospecting to get into that revenue stream. And, you know, it's, it's just decide to do it. Who are you going to be today? Today I decide I'm going to be a professional speaker. Now act like it. (laughs) What were the marketing pieces you had to put in place in order for that to happen? The book really helped. I'm not going to lie. Everybody who says a book helps position you is, is not joking. I mean, that significantly increased my fee. It significantly increased my visibility and the inbound uh, requests. It put me on the visibility list of bureaus. And, and when you go to my website and you see like the media and that I've been all over the country on different TV shows talking about my book, you can get my personality and you can see that I can have a conversation. So surely I could do that from stage, right? So that was big. Of course, having the podcast, even before the book, that helped build an audience and a platform. So people hear me and they say, you know, oh, you should have Amber come speak. Here's her podcast and they can get to know me that way. A one sheet is a no brainer. And in fairness, I have a PR degree in a, in a history and my career has been in internal public relations. So that's an advantage that I had. Getting a speaker reel is hard, y'all. I mean, it is it is comical at this point how many things go wrong when I'm trying to get video of me speaking. <laughs> it is, it's absurd, truly. And because a lot of what I've done in the past has been corporate, I sign 13 page non-disclosures and there are going to be no cameras in that room, you know, because yeah. I'm talking about their unique business problems and you, you're not going to put that out for everybody to see and they don't want that to be recorded. So totally get that. And then, you know, I, I'm a branding person. So, I mean, I have, everything that I have is branded from stickers and envelopes and poly mailers and I mean everything. So if I put something out and I'm going to claim to be a branding expert, by golly, it's going to be branded from head to toe, Amber Hurdle Consulting. And so just tying all that together from tchotchke to just your first impression, speaker page, all that kind of stuff. Those are things that you need. And, you know, again, I'm doing this just based on what I knew I wish that I had Lois Kramer's book, More Business, at the beginning of all of this, because that would have saved me so much grief. And that's a book. If Whether you are a new speaker or a seasoned speaker, that is a no-brainer to read. Mm-hmm. I'm interviewing her in this series as well. So oh, I'm sure I love her. Yeah. I'm she really knows sure. I have a total girl crush on her. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll mention it during our interview. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us the name of your book and what it's about? Yeah, absolutely. So the first book that I wrote, I'm working on my second one, is specifically for female entrepreneurs. However, if you can get past the lipstick, men, this would help you too. And even if you're in corporate, you're a corporate leader, there are things in here that can help you from employee engagement and just leadership and goal setting and all kinds of stuff. But if you're a female entrepreneur, the bombshell businesswoman, how to become a bold, brave female entrepreneur. And I redefine the term bombshell to mean bold, brave female professional, because I believe that if a woman walks in a room and turns heads, it's not because she's exquisite. It's because she's confident in who she is. And so what I want is for every woman out there to understand her value. Again, this is branding 
so that she can help solve the problems that she can uniquely solve in exchange for money, which is my definition of business. And when we're confident in that, then we're happy to go out and market ourselves and we start looking for people's problems. And obviously we're the only choice to solve them. And it's not like, oh, hey, can you please maybe think about working with me? It just changes the game. (laughs) Are there some mindset shifts you talk about in your book for for that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty hardcore. My next book is Velvet Machete Personal Branding. And (laughs) Velvet Machete is what I've been called since my fitness days and a personal training client named me that because he's like, you say the harshest things, Amber, but for some reason I like it. (laughs) So so what I try to do with my Velvet Machete and how I teach other people to communicate is to be very direct, but wrap that in a way that is appealing and easy to absorb for the person who you're trying to influence. And so whether you're working on your personal brand or your employer brand, company culture, or your business brand, trying to gain more business or more market share, we don't have time to boot, scoot, and boogie around everything. I'm from Nashville, (laughs) y'all. You just have to get to the point and then make sure that you're saying it in a way that your audience is going to respond to. So let's let's play out a scenario to hear what the velvet machete sounds like. If I'm a potential client, I'm a corporation, and I want you to come in and give a branding workshop on, you know, helping the young professionals in the organization prepare themselves for leadership. What would you say to position yourself as the best person to come in and give that talk? Well, I like to consider myself the millennial whisperer because <laughs> I was born in 1979, so right at the cusp of I'm barely Gen X, and if I would have been born a year later, I I would have been millennial. So I see, I see things, and also being such a young mom, and my my friends being older than me, and really having to step up into a world that my peers didn't have to step up to. I can see things from that senior leadership perspective, while still understanding the mindset of a millennial. And millennials are not evil. They just do things differently. And so when I start, I would start to talk about the different generations and why those people respond differently. What happened in their lifetimes that positioned their paradigm to be a certain way and how you can leverage that so that each of those personal brands can then strengthen the employer brand. And when that employer brand is strong and you recruit and retain the right people, then those people are going to serve your customers and strengthen your business brand. And so showing that connection while pulling in all the different talent and vantage points that you have and diversity for that matter, it helps you become a stronger brand. And honestly, people are moving so fast and there's so much change. I'm certified in the change cycle also, by the way, which helps get people to understand that it's okay to be uncomfortable with change and to move through it in an effective, productive way. There's so much change that as people are pursuing their operational goals, the softer side of things that I get brought in to do simply just never seem urgent and important enough at the same time when they're, you know, their hair's on fire with other things. So it's just easy for me to integrate into the company, learn their culture quickly act like I'm one of their team members and then execute on their behalf so that they all reach the goals that they're, they're striving towards. Yeah. And I love that you identify that you can understand the audience, first of all, and then also you can understand their challenges and the benefit of doing this work for them, for the company. Yeah. So yeah, you kind of seamlessly 
put all that together. When you put your vision board together and said, hey, I'm going to become a professional speaker. I'm going to get up on stage. I'm going to be doing more keynotes. How did you build a schedule or a plan that helped you to build that speaking business? Because I think when you're first starting out, it can feel like, oh, there's only 800,000 things to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> How do I get started? How do I make sure I'm using my time effectively? And like, how do I know that I'm not just chasing my tail? Did you create, how did you create that plan and what did it look like? So again, this falls into my, there's a chapter in my book called Glamour Goals and it's a process that I use. And so I crafted my Glamour Goals for that year and just laid it out in a timeline and, and in a, you know, you just back into it. So if this is where I want to be by the end of the year, what do I need to do to get there? So before the new year even began, I joined the National Speakers Association because if I'm going to be a professional speaker, then I should probably be a part of the Professional Speaker Association, right? That just makes sense. Then I went to Winter Conference, which is the smaller NSA event and got to know other people, kind of saw, okay, well, what are my peers doing? What, what are best practices? What are the pitfalls? And so you can kind of just skip a lot of the mistakes that you might make because you have these more experienced people telling you what worked for them, what didn't. And then of course you have to figure out your own path. But I understand marketing and I understand prospecting. And I know that if you're not marketing and you're not prospecting, you're not making any money. So I hired a consultant just for one project to look at my software stack and to ensure that all the different online tools that I was using were working effectively together. I set up my contact management system. So it's a CRM, customer relationship management um, is the official way to call it. And I put systems in place and I documented those systems and I put them with all the other systems that go in my business. And I log into my CRM every day and it tells me what I need to do for that day. And I do it. <laughs> it's just that simple. Which CRM do you use? I use Agile CRM. It's not popular. But if you've ever used Infusionsoft before, I call it like baby Infusionsoft because it's got all the things that you would love about Infusionsoft with all, without all the things that you're paying for and not using. Hmm. And it's not, the user interface isn't as pretty as like Karma or something like that, but I love it. I, I swear by it and it works for me. So I don't use the HTML marketing email. I actually use ConvertKit for that because I keep my speaking prospects and my consulting prospects and customers and that. And then my audience members and my general audience is in my ConvertKit email marketing software. How did you decide when you were starting out where to start pitching yourself? Was it a radius kind of decision or an industry or something else? Well, so I have a strong network <laughs> in hospitality. So that's a no brainer. And what I see a lot of people do is they start pitching to people that they don't know. And I have a pretty decent network. So I just started telling the people that already know me, already trust me, already know that no matter what I do, it's going to be done with excellence and started saying, Hey, here's an idea I have, or is there an opportunity in your organization for me to have a conversation with so-and-so? I just got certified in this. I think this would be a great message for your, the problems I hear that you're having, that sort of thing. Work the people that you already know. I mean, that's the easy part. And then I started discovering, you know, the, the different websites and things that you could go to and see what type of events are going on. But a lot of what I do comes to me by referral or because I spoke somewhere and somebody in the audience heard me and then they, you know, 
they come back and say, well, I'm with this association or I work for this company. We'd love to have you come in. It's just tell everybody you know what you do and then you will be top of mind. That's what branding is all about. It's not necessarily about only pitching yourself to specific situations. About It's about always having your personal brand being when people think of me, I hope they think Amber is a branding expert. If they're having a branding problem, whether it's leadership and personal branding or frustration around how to differentiate myself or my company or my or working for this company, if it's hard for me to differentiate myself or I don't feel like we're all clear on that, then obviously I'm going to call Amber because that's what I do. And I do it in a straightforward way. Yeah. I'd love to know how you go about pricing and negotiating. And I'm sure you have a bombshell approach to this because I know <laughs> this is something so many women struggle with and not only not knowing the number to ask for, but also just feeling confident in that number. Okay. So good question. I was totally clueless on this and I was way undercharging before, before I decided I was going to be a professional speaker. And I had no idea that if you're not charging five to $7,000, you're not even considered a professional. They're like, oh, you're a rookie, so you're not for us. I mean, some people might want to hire you, but not not the the bigger events. And And so when I began doing my research and I started figuring things out, I had a, I have a coach and I'm very fortunate. I'm certified in the fascination advantage assessment. And so I'm very fortunate that Sally Hogshead has made some incredible deposits in, in my professional life and has just point blank given me advice on what to charge. So, and then again, with my book that helped significantly (laughs) increase my fees. And what I had to do is say, okay, this isn't, this isn't about, I'm on stage for one hour. This is, I'm away from my family for basically three days if I'm traveling, right? So this is three days out of my office that I'm not able to make money doing other things. This is three days away from my family. This is travel weariness that's going to be included, et cetera, et cetera. And so what is the value of all of my experience the time that I'm investing, the pre-work, because it's not just about showing up. You rehearse, you do pre-meetings. I always do promotional videos if that's something that they want. I help them along the way. And then I always do a recap and I always over-deliver. So if I'm going to do that, what's that price? So I have a price for that. I have a price for out of town. I have a price for local people. And then I have a price for specifically for nonprofit women's professional organizations. They cannot afford me the end, maybe at the national level, but not at the regional or local level. They cannot afford me. So I have a, a, a system set up where it is a more approachable price. And then there's other ways that they can provide value back to me. So I have to be able to video record it, or if they have, if they video record it, they have to give me a copy for me to use for promotional use, a written testimonial. There's just a variety, a checklist of things that I ask them to do in exchange for the optimized price. And I don't feel like I'm jipping my other customers because it's a nonprofit price and it's a passion project. And I don't do that all the time. It's only specifically for the ones that I want to do. And then I still have fee integrity with everybody else. But I know a lot of people negotiate and I, and I don't like that 
because my value is my value. And if I'm going to charge this company or this association, this price, then I'm going to charge everybody that that's, you don't go and buy a big Mac and be like, well, today, this is my budget. Can I get it for 59 cents instead of 99? That's not how it works. My price is my price. And if you don't want to pay it, then I'm not for you. Love it. (laughs) What advice do you have for speakers who are trying to break into this field and are maybe feeling lost or stuck or like, you know, they, they've put time aside to work on it, but they just don't know what to do. (laughs) Read Lois's book. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, I, I mean, just, I would say, what's your biggest pain point and, and tackle that first. So if your biggest pain point is that you don't have anything to prove that you're a speaker and that's what you need to get your mindset out, out to where you could just start pitching, then do that. So if that's getting on Fiverr and paying $15 for somebody to put a one sheet together for you, or if that is getting friends together or speaking to the local Kiwanis Club and getting video of you speaking, then do that. If it's getting a simple website up, do that. But at the end of the day, those are all amazing things. And I'm a branding person. So obviously I'm like super extra when it comes to that stuff. Just pitch, get out there, say you're a speaker, go find someone who'll pay you to speak and start doing it. Like the end, get to it. (laughs) Stop thinking about it. Absolutely. What advice would you give to your past self? that you think maybe would have made this journey easier for you? You know, that question always, I'm like, am I being lame by saying this? But I just think that every experience that I have adds to my future success. And even when I make mistakes, I feel like there's data that comes from that. And I know that God made me as a person that just has to learn the hard way. So if there was any shortcut to be had and I took it, I'm I'm not sure that I would be as confident in how I do things now because I won't have all of the, well, that didn't work. Well, that didn't work. Well, we're not going to try that again, (laughs) you know, behind me. So maybe I could be a little further ahead than I was, but at the end of the day, I'm just grateful for every experience that that I've had. I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I look at my business like a test tube, like a Bunsen burner. I mean, like this is, it's fun. Like, let's try this. Oops, didn't work. Okay, let's try something else. Yeah, it's an experiment. I feel the same way. Yeah. I think that takes away the fear of failure too, because it's really just more information. Yes. Do you have any last pieces of advice for for women who want to become professional speakers, just like a, a motto or just one thing that you kind of wake up in the morning and say to yourself that helps you to keep building and keep going? I know the problems I solve. I know who I solve those problems for, and I know how I do that uniquely. If you cannot identify those three things, that's why you're frustrated. And so ponder that. Think about one of my chapters in my book is follow follow your breadcrumbs. And so I want you to go back all the way to elementary school and think about where you shined, what people thought about you then, the things that you really enjoyed that brought life to you, and then go through each season of your life, go through past jobs, go through volunteer opportunities and and see the continuous opportunity where people validated that you did something good. What was a problem that you can continuously solve all throughout your life, personally and professionally? That's going to be a huge hint right there. 
look at where you've been recognized, where you've won awards, where you've gotten certifications, where you've gotten promotions, look at those things. So once you know the problems that you solve, then you have to think about who do I solve those problems for? And so that's when I want you to think about your, your, just think about five favorite customers, five favorite customers. It doesn't even matter if it's the people that you currently serve or are trying to serve. It could be from a previous job that you had and maybe not even your business and look for the commonalities in those people. What do they share in common? So that's an easy way to say, okay, these are the kind of people that I want to work with because I feel confident that I can solve their problems. And then what makes you unique? And again, this is where you kind of have to get back in the Wayback Machine and say, what, what part of my history makes me different than everybody else that does this? I mean, obviously one of my key differentiators is I'm, I'm a teen mom. And so I had to learn branding very quickly to position myself for success. So if I can do that for me and be where I am now in life, imagine what I can do for you. So that's, it's just a story. So what are the stories that you can tell that make you different than everybody else who does what you do? Know who you are, know what you do, how you, how you do it uniquely. So what problems you solve uniquely for who? The end. That's something you should focus on every day. Yeah. I love that. Where can we get more information about you? Amberhurdle.com is where you can find everything. You get to all my social profiles from there. Um, my speakers page is on there. My podcast is on there. You can find my book there on Amazon, Barnes and Noble Books, Million, all that good jazz. Um, and every which way you can get in touch with me, Amberhurdle.com. What's your podcast about? Is well, so here we are again in transition. Um, <laughs> we are wrapping up the Bombshell Business Podcast. And also you can download the Bombshell Business app by Amber Hurdle on, on Apple and on Android. But we are coming to a close with that. And we are about to launch the Velvet Machete Branding Podcast where we talk about personal brands, employer brands, and business brands and how those things work together. So stay tuned. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. This has been great. You are definitely a bombshell and living the, the life that you teach. So well, I feel the same way about you. So I appreciate <laughs> being on your show. It's awesome. Thanks so much. There you have it. Today's guest mentor interview. Check out the show notes for links mentioned in this episode. If you're enjoying the series, please send a message to my guests to let them know and leave a review on iTunes to help more women find the show. The guest mentors five-part summer series is sponsored by Speaking School for Women, my signature online course that teaches you how to become a paid professional speaker in six weeks or less. Learn branding, marketing, speechcraft, pricing, pitching, and so much more. Now until August 31st, First, get 20% off using promo code SUMMER20 at checkout. Learn more at speakersisterhood.thinkific.com. Link is in the show notes. This series is also sponsored by Told Video, original thoughtful storytelling for your brand. Here to help you with your next step in speaker marketing, a meaningful video. Let your story out into the world and get it told. Follow Told Video on Instagram at Told Video for flash sales and discounts announced monthly. This podcast has been a production of the Speaker Sisterhood and was recorded at the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Learn more at speakersisterhood.com. Well, that does it for me, my friends. As always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.